Welcome to She Prop Talk. Today's special episode is the second part of a special guest hosted series by Renee from Pixie Bomber Cosplay. And today she's chatting with Brienne Opal about historical cosplay. Thank you again to Renee and Brienne for submitting this awesome and really fun episode. I know you are all going to really enjoy this one. If you happen to be interested in guest hosting your own podcast episode, I really want to hear from you. You can email me at shepropforum at gmail.com and let me know that you're interested and I'll get you the information that you need. All right. Thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to SheProp Talk. I'm Renee, known as Pixie Bomber. In today's episode, it is part two of historical cosplay. This can look like making Star Trek costumes, as from the first episode, or what I have done in taking Poison Ivy and making her into the style of Marie Antoinette. Today's guest is Brienne, and joining us to listen is Alicia. Brienne, can you tell us what your favorite historical cosplay has been to build? It's really hard to pick a favorite, but the one I put the most time and energy and blood and sweat and literal tears into um, is my historically accurate yellow bell ball gown, which is um, the sort of 18th century, what if the animators had done any research at all version of that of that dress. So that's my sort of my take on bell is is my favorite. And when building historical cosplays, as you have a few, what are some of your favorite resources that have been the most beneficial for you? So I think it really depends a lot on the era you hang out in. Um, I am working a lot in the sort of mid to late 18th century and early 19th century. So for me, American Duchess has a whole bunch of blog posts that are really helpful. They have some commercial patterns and books that are available. And it's a really good, easy starting place if you're just like getting started in it. And then they have some deeper dives for when you get for when you get a little bit obsessive. They also have that. So the American Duchess is awesome. I um, use American Duchess for my grand paniers because I was looking at different patterns. And when I saw hers fully built and how she built them, I'm like, oh, this pattern, done. Oh, like, that's what. Yeah. And she like breaks it down to like, here's what I tried. Here's what worked. Here's what doesn't work. They're like, they're so helpful. And uh, oh, I really like, I'm going to go really sort of nerdy and then just so deeply not nerdy. So the Metropolitan Museum of Art has a great searchable database. If you just Google Metropolitan Museum of Art costumes, it'll take you there. If you Google sort of collection, it'll take you there. And you can search by era, by item type. So if you search for English gown 18th century, it will show you everything they have in that collection. So you can get a sense of what the fibers looked like, what the lines of the gowns looked like, what the what the trim looked like, and you can really get a sense of what your look should be. So I love that. The Met is delightful. And again, it's all online. It's all really searchable. It's awesome. And then on the completely opposite spectrum, Pinterest is awesome, y'all. Like, there's a lot of crap on there, and sometimes you have to, you it's like Wikipedia. You have to check where they're getting their information from, but there is a lot of really helpful stuff that I found on Pinterest. So yeah, those are my, those are my top three. I'm just going to second Pinterest for that because 
that's how I figured out how to do Regency buttons was because of Pinterest. Yeah, Pinterest is down on Regency. Like they have so many cool fashion plates and just amazing Regency tutorials for how to do different styles of gowns. It's awesome. Moving on from resource resources and references, when you go to actually build the gown, what are some key and essential foundation garments and which has been most challenging for you as a cosplayer to make? I really did biff the pair of panniers I tried to make. I'm I'm fine at stays or corsets. I'm fine at pocket hoops. Those are great. But I I followed Pinterest in a bad way for my panniers for um, an Outlander gown I made for my big sister. And Pinterest said that you could use the flat garden hose. I don't know if you all have seen it, but there's a, like a flat type of garden hose. And they were like, no, you can use it as hoop foam. It'll be fine. And I was like, perfect. I'm very poor. It was not fine. <laughs> Did your dress collapse? It, the panniers collapsed. Like, the panniers collapsed. So for those of you who don't know what panniers are, because that's a dumb word, they are the things that make Marie Antoinette style gowns really wide from the front and really narrow from the side. So it just makes you have like extremely big hips. And how it works is you do like a normal style hoop skirt and then you do little ties on the inside to make it have this sort of weird oval oblong shape. Mine had the oval oblong shape without the ties. It was not ideal. Anyways, it was bad news bears. So um, I put some I put some wood wooden strips, probably the same type that Alicia used for her busk in her Regency uh, stays, and it was bad. And I need to redo them. Sorry, big sister. It's on my list. It's on my to do list. So that was the hardest. I think I'm with Alicia in the previous episode. She she was talking about how corsets are I think the most essential. Um, depending on again on the era, I have worn and not worn corsets or stays with my Regency dress and it's been fine either way because sometimes they didn't wear them because they were they were wild women it was great but the lines of a gown look different if you don't have those the sort of structure underneath so yeah I think that that's that's pretty vital when I was building my Marie Antoinette gown I use steel hoop steel from farthingales I swear I paid as much in shipping as I did for the steel itself. And three years later, my steel hoop holds its shape without the ties. Like it has formed, it has held. And so I recommend Farthingales. It is in Canada. And so shipping is a little bit of a pain in the rear, but that steel holds like nothing else. And I've looked at Pinterest with those uh, using the tubes and I never understood how they could hold up the structure of a gown and so I commend you for trying I mean I had to give it a shot I'm with you I also use zip ties I really like the unconventional material I think it's fun to go to hardware stores but yeah that one was not a that did not work out not a fan but I'll, I'll look into the farthingales thing I, I mean I need to I've I've got some plans for some weird 1860s shaped skirts, so I'm going to have to invest in the the hoop steel anyways. So we'll see what we see next time. When you've made your characters and you put them in a different era, how do you decide which key elements to keep and maintain and which ones to adapt to be more historical? 
For me, it depends a lot on the character in the era, but I do agree with Alicia that color is a really, really, really big part of it. So Belle had to be the perfect shade of yellow. Like if it wasn't the right color of yellow, because I was changing the shape of the gown, I was changing the lines of the gown, I wanted to make sure that I had that one touchstone so people would see it and be like, oh, that's that. I know that. Yeah, that's a yellow ball gown. That's Belle. When I have done other ones, color matters, but I think there's certain characters that like, oh, this, the color is a big part of it. The other thing that I always like to do is incorporate parts of their personality into it. So with Belle, I did a lot of details that were either books or roses. So the lining of my of my Belle gown is marbled, like uh, end papers of 18th century books. And the stomacher and trim is all based on gilt covers of 18th century books. So I actually took covers of books from that era in France and I like essentially traced them and turned it into embroidery so that I could have a book uh, decoration on the on the gown. So I wanted to make sure that I could sort of take her personality and put it in 18th century and make the choices I thought she would make. So it almost becomes like a psychological exercise of what details to keep, uh, which is a weird answer, but a true one. <laughs> You've also made a couple cosplays that were based on screen accuracy and in a different era. Can you briefly talk about each one? Absolutely. And I did this, hopefully people will have listened to Alicia's episode because I am going to reference it because I did it just in a completely different way than hers. She did costumes from eras and like made it in those eras. So like a show set in the 60s and she did it 60s style. I've done the gown from Outlander. I did the red dress again for my big sister, which is set in the 18th century, but was (laughs) made, you know, a few years ago. So when I did that one, it's more or less screen accurate. They used nicer fabric than I did. (laughs) Um, And they probably didn't use garden hose. Listen, but it is not at all historically accurate, just like the gown as it stands wouldn't have happened historically. So it was fun to throw that part of my brain out and just be like, okay, I get to use my sewing machine on this one. Like I get to, you know, do what I want. But... It is, it's a different muscle entirely, like following the the historical dictates versus following the screen accurate dictates, I think. The other one I did was Peggy Carter from the first Avenger, Captain America, the first Avenger. And again, that was, it's, it's not historically accurate, but it is pretty close to screen accurate, except as usual, I used some wacky materials instead of a wool drab, which is probably what the uniform would have been made out of. I used a... A cotton flannel flatlined with a cotton drill so that it has the weight of wool without that price tag because mine ended up being like $2 a yard instead of the $15 a yard the screen accurate fabric would have been. So I uh, I made it look screen accurate, but I did sort of use some use some cosplayer magic to get there. Was it warmer or was it more cool to the body to make those changes? That's a really good question. I have never worn a suit of wool that is the weight that Peggy's would have been. 
And the time that I wore peg was in January on the coast of Washington. So it was like 37 degrees and I was cold. (laughs) I don't know if I would have been warm in wool, but I'll tell you, I was cold in a couple layers of cotton. I'll tell you that. It was not ideal. It was beautiful and I loved it or whatever. But yeah, I was definitely, it didn't keep me probably as warm as the wool would have. Alicia, do you have any questions for Brianna that you've listened to her speak about her historical cosplays? Actually, the only question I would have thought of would have been 18th century patterns, but she already covered that. I can talk more about 18th century pattern books. You want to get into 18th century patterns? I'll talk all day. Um, I, I have a couple other books <laughs> that I used. Patterns of Fashion 1 covers the 18th century, and it's one of the, likes. it's a standard text, says Professor Brienne. Oh, one of the other things that I thought about saying during Alicia's episode is, and I know this isn't technically your question, Alicia, but I do want to add it on as though I had asked it to you. (laughs) You had talked about doing research a lot at the beginning of a project, and I wanted to throw out there that I tend to do research all the time always. And this comes up because one of the books I got, I think two weeks before Emerald City, the year I debuted Yellow Bell, and I got it because I couldn't figure out how to get the skirt to have the shape I wanted it to with the gathers in back, the retrousse. And someone in a Facebook group posted about this book called Costumes in Detail, and I got it. And finally, after a year of research, I finally got the answer. So like, the research starts early and keeps going throughout. And I think that that's, that's noteworthy. If that appeals to you, historical costuming is in your future. Uh, yeah, actually, depending on what's going on with the progress, I will sometimes do research during making it. But the the huge bulk of it is going to be beforehand, just to make sure I'm selecting the right patterns, that I'm getting the right kind of silhouette. And... Yeah, making sure I'm making the right decisions for the character. Yeah, that's fair. Lots and lots at the beginning. And then I just always have questions as I go where I'm like, wait, is this how sleeves work? And then it it never is how sleeves work. Sleeves can be a challenge regardless of which era it is. Sleeves are universally the worst. They are, especially if the costume designer designs them wrong. Like yeah. Star Trek. <laughs> no one knows how sleeves work. Exactly. In closing, Brianne, how can listeners find you in the SheeProp group or online? I am in the SheeProp group. My name is Brianne. You'll see me making comments. I post pictures of random stuff sometimes. I am Brianne Opal on Instagram and Twitter. I have not yet succumbed to TikTok, but God, this, you know, who knows? Who knows what the gratefulness of time will bring? I don't TikTok either. I think Alicia is the only one that TikToks out of us three. Uh, yeah, I actually started a TikTok account. Uh, uh, Leanna Cosplay and Facebook. And I'm also on Instagram, also at Leanna Cosplay. <laughs> In closing, thank you for listening to this podcast. 